I, I definitely cranked it to Gene Smart. Believe I have. everyone to the NXT Rundown. My name is Sal. I am your host tonight. Why? Well, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But tonight, I'm not doing a solo episode. No, 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 no. I need someone to complain to. So joining me this week, John is here. Yeah, it's going to be a big uh, big circle jerk of complaints, as it turns out. But <laughs> I but, am here. But when I when I do these shows, John... Not only do I complain, I also like to make fun of stuff. So we're going to do a lot of that. We're going to make fun of NXT a lot tonight. For anybody who, who get, who's going to get butthurt about that, I'm apologizing now. <laughs> there's, I there's a lot of stuff I need to make fun of on this episode. But before we even get into NXT, uh, I got to let the fans know, longtime fans of the program, they know I'm not the normal host of NXT. Well, you see, Jason uh, was offered a new contract by Troy, and uh, at this point, he's looking like he's going to sign with AEW. Just saying, <laughs> you know, we're in negotiations with him. We're going to bring him in. We're going to give him the belt. <laughs> Sorry, but that that might be what's happening, and that's what's going on tonight. Troy is in final negotiations with Jason, uh, going down to that midnight hour. So we'll see where he signs, <laughs> see where he'll be next week. Hey, John. What's up? Did you happen to catch anything from the WWE Extremely Regular Rules pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually did watch that pay-per-view. Um, it's the only thing I've watched WWE, like main roster WWE-related in the last two weeks. Um, I, one, one of my favorite things on the internet is that people have just been calling it the rules pay-per-view. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is very good. Um, but I thought that the show on the whole had a lot of, like, solid to good action marred by, like, consistently weird or beguiling, uh, finishes. I did, I didn't like the triple threat finish because I feel like Damien Priest could have, like, a roll-up's lame after, after all that action. Cause I did like that match. Um. I thought that match was good. I didn't love, uh, I mean, so the finish to Bianca and Becky wasn't great, but it was somewhat offset by the excitement of seeing Sasha back. Sure. Uh, and and she I, looked fantastic, as she always does. And she that, looks like she's mean that, again, which is fantastic. I, uh, I like... Uh, I, I liked the Finn and Roman match. Hated that finish. Uh, I really, really hated the Charlotte Alexa Bliss finish. That one was the worst one of the night for me. Like, just, it's so bad. 
And then, then the post-match stuff for that one took like what felt like half of the pay-per-view of just Alexa trying very hard to get that tab to foam. Yep. She, and then they, they, uh, they really, uh, really sold her down the river with a shot of like the inside, like where they caught the inside of her mouth and there's just the big white tab sitting there not doing its fucking job. Yeah. That looked like but a like, guard, but you knew it was just fucking Yeah. <laughs> Even if it had worked, it still would have sucked. But yeah, and that was also a good match. Like Charlotte Charlotte for whatever uh issues I may have with her character is always good in the ring. I feel like Alexa's gotten sneaky good as she's gotten on. Yeah. As well. But she she knows um at this point she knows how to work a match. Which is good. Because yeah. she's not gonna wow you with like, you know, flying moves or anything like that. But she knows uh Especially, like, in this character. She knows how to, like, where to put her offense and stuff like that and sell. And she does all right. She does all right. I don't think, I don't think she's ever going to give you a stinker match. Like, right. there, there are definitely people on the roster that, uh, that are sometimes going to, going to give you a clunker. Um, and I even like, uh, because I'm a Liv Morgan mark, I watched the pre-show, uh, which I don't usually do. And, uh, I liked that match too. So, like, you know, there was a lot of good wrestling and that one actually had a, like, just, a normal definitive finish, which was nice. Did, who did she fight? Uh, Carmella. And she, okay, yeah, I know she won. Yeah, I saw yeah. it, I read it, but I didn't see the match. But, no, I'm a big fan of Liv Morgan, so even if it's on a pre-show, getting a yeah. pay-per-view win over Carmella, sure. Her her gear looked a little bit Degeneration X-y, just I saw because that. of the color combination, <laughs> but... Which is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, D- doesn't make a ton of sense, but, you know... She looks good. Yeah. Because she always looks good. Alright, so shout out to Troy, who took care of the WWE rundown all by him his lonesome this week. Um and it's not that I didn't want to be on it, I just couldn't, you know, scheduling I, time, all that stuff. I told him that the if he didn't mind having someone who'd only seen the pay per view I'd be on, but I guess he wanted to talk about Raw or something. I okay. So <laughs> this is the problem and, and I'm just Wanted to touch on a couple things about the pay-per-view. First thing being, I haven't really watched in, like, three weeks. Like, somebody told me to, like, watch, like, the the shoot fight between Charlotte and Nia Jax, and I watched that. And then I watched Biggie win the title. So, like, I think I've been doing, like, clips, like, pretty much since um, SummerSlam. Uh Uh-huh. But I've got the general idea. Um... You don't need much. But like, the, WWE <laughs> progresses their stories so slowly that you can kind of just watch the pay-per-views and right. w- like watch the recaps. And the you, highlight clips and the video packages. Exactly. Yeah, and you honestly you are probably getting a better experience because those things tend to cut out the worst moments. Yes, exactly. Which is why I thought the pay-per-view was actually pretty... It was all right. It was pretty good. Um, like you said, the finishes were really confusing. Uh this whole thing with, I don't know how you transitioned from somebody who's a witch who may or may not be possessed by the devil to someone who plays with a Chucky doll that looks like a sock puppet. Looks like a sock puppet. <laughs> Man, it looked so weird after it got ripped apart. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> But, you know, it, you would think it would be a simple, just stuffed animal, rip the head off type of deal. But anyway. So I'm, I'm completely over this whole Lily character. I just, I can't with that. I just can't. 
Uh, Charlotte looked good. Match was fine. Uh, going to the SmackDown one, okay? I thought this was a really good match. Back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, like, mad when we didn't get a finish. Because I knew they weren't going to put the title back on Bianca just yet. So, when Sasha came out, I'm like, oh, alright. First of all, like you said, yay, she's back. But also, like, okay, maybe we'll do a triple threat between these three. Which I wouldn't hate. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm more pro-triple threat than most, I think. Depends on the participants. Yeah, sure, sure. Definitely depends on the participants. Um, Speaking of triple threats... I was surprised at how much I was invested in Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy versus uh, Damian Priest. I was surprised at how much the crowd wanted Jeff Hardy to win. Yeah. Because I just assumed that they're like me and they hate Jeff Hardy. He still has that appeal. People still love him. It's weird. If you don't watch him wrestle, he looks like he hasn't aged. Right. Since since the like fucking ruthless aggression era or whatever, but once you see him move, it's like, oh no, he's significantly older. Okay, where was Extreme Rules held? I forget. Where was what now? Extreme oh, uh, Columbus. Columbus. Why, okay. So how long I, has it been since they've seen Jeff Hardy? I mean, it's probably been like two years at least. Th- that that's fair. <laughs> uh, what once I saw that it was in Columbus, I felt like an idiot for picking uh, Alexa Bliss in the because uh, I didn't know it was in Columbus. Going into it, and then I'm like, oh, well, she's in her hometown. I should have picked Charlotte. Yep. (laughs) Um, No, but I enjoyed the match. I I was really surprised by how much Sheamus has, like, impressed me. And I'm like, Sheamus? Yeah, honestly, who came out from pandemic-era wrestling stronger, improving their stock more than Sheamus? Like, I can't think of anyone. Like, at least in the WWE sphere, that, like, I, he was just kind of a guy that, like, if he was in a match, I kind of shrugged my shoulders and moved on. And yeah. then, like, once he got moved to Raw, he's been, like, pretty entertaining, pretty consistently. Right. But, um, the only the last thing I want to say about Extreme Rules is I, I enjoyed the Roman Finn match. The demon character. At, at, I used to love the demon character. Like originally when it was in NXT, right? Mm. And then once it started getting to the main roster, I didn't love it as much. And I thought I was going to feel like really strongly about it since I hadn't seen it in a while. And it was just, eh. <laughs> So, uh, this is a little bit of weird backstory for me. My, my introduction to the demon character was in a video game. Uh, like, uh, like before I, before I had gotten back into watching wrestling, I was like playing one of the WWE, uh, 2K games or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I was like playing the story mode and working my way through NXT and I'm like, I see it for the first time. Like, what the fuck is this cheesy shit? And like, that probably says something about me and like supernatural (laughs) gimmicks and how I feel about them. But like, I instantly hated it. But you know what's Jeff- crazy? The origins of the gimmick isn't supernatural. It's supposed to be Marvel. Like, oh, really? The very first demon was Venom. He made the whole fucking gimmick look like Venom. Oh, okay. Interesting. See, he used to do this in New Japan when he was Prince Devitt. 
Uh-huh. And um, it never had a supernatural connotation. They just, he came out there dressed like Venom. I think one time he might have come out there dressed like the Joker, because who the fuck doesn't? Who paints their face? Right, right. Pentagon Jr. Um, but when he got to NXT, all of a sudden it was, um, it started with the old Jason Albers, NXT commentator, a.k.a. fucking Prince Albert, saying, oh, I've heard about, uh, uh, cre- creativeness in Japan, and I'm like, you don't even know what to fucking call this thing? Because <laughs> he can't say Venom, and you can't say Marvel, and you can't say fucking villain, apparently. Right, so, not until not Disney buys the WWE, then you're good. So, then all of a sudden in NXT it became the Demon. Then all of a sudden on the main roster it became uh, the Demon who can summon powers, and he's got all these things written all over him, and it's... Uh, I'm like, eh. And and for one aborted feud, uh, he looks like a pumpkin. Yes, and he almost fought Bray Wyatt in drag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, uh, I think the world would be better off if we had gotten to see that train wreck. But speaking of Bray Wyatt, how the fuck on the internet are fans going to rip apart that Hell in a Cell match he had with Seth Rollins? Mm-hmm. And then not do the same thing for the ending of Balor versus Roman. Because here's my problem with that with the end. Mm-hmm. You ha- it, it was WWEified. Meaning instead of having Paul Heyman work on that turnbuckle or see him do something shady like throughout the match, we had no build up to the spot. And then you had to add the comically loud snapping sound. Uh-huh. Which killed it for me. And, every, and everyone implying that it was like, I felt like the vibe was like that it was like divine intervention. Yeah, oh, kind of. Yeah, which was a weird sort of way to sort to take that. You know what doesn't help? Like, <laughs> Pat McAfee going, um, "What kind of bushly shit is that?" <laughs> uh, that's fair. I mean, but I know yeah. what he was saying because he was like, "Oh, Finn got screwed," but the way it came off was like. What the fucking WWE? Why are our ropes snapping? I mean, that's fair, though. Like, you know, if you interpret it that way, even if that's not his intention, I think that's a fair read. Because they're the WWE. That shit shouldn't happen. Mm. And, like, everything about it, like, it takes you out of the story of the match because it's so obviously, like, a contrivance to uh, try and keep, keep things strong, I guess, I think. Yeah, but that's, that's the, thing. the idea. A fucking trap turnbuckle that makes a comical noise doesn't keep Finn strong for me. It just makes me think, why do I watch this fucking product? Yeah, I I feel that a lot lately. Um, <laughs> um I uh, I also didn't like that. Like, I didn't mind him powering up, but I hated that they played his music. Oh, in the middle of a fucking match. So explain that to me. He has never once, like while he was being the demon, transformed back into the demon by humping the ground and then standing <laughs> up on his music cue. It's it's suffocating Fish Valor. <laughs> I just... I don't know why they're making him do stupid shit like that. He didn't... Notice, he did none of this in NXT. None of this bullshit did he do down there, okay? And everybody was saying Finn was the best he had been in years. That's because until, like, three weeks ago, NXT, like, did decent stuff with characters. Yeah. 
more on that in a little bit. But no, yeah. Extreme Rules was fine. The wrestling was hard hitting. Everybody fucking worked hot. And I know that's like cliche ish, but I, I enjoyed it. I wasn't like bored. But yeah. it's just some of the finishes were very like, uh, just didn't, didn't do anything for me. As a guy who's more into wrestling for the story, the stories and the take on telling stories than the wrestling itself, the finishes lowered it more for me than it might have for other people. Because I agree that the action was all good, but mm-hmm. like, God, I didn't understand a lot of the creative decisions. Yeah. And that's the thing. When I think about my favorite things from wrestling, like all time, there's always some type of really good story behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, sometimes like the match is fucking great. Sometimes it's good enough, but I'll remember the story. Like I would be like, Oh, remember when Shawn Michaels threw fucking Marty Jannetty through the goddamn window? <laughs> and for me, like my favorite individual wrestling moment, probably of the past of the pandemic era was, uh, was Sami Zayn winning the triple threat and unifying his fake intercontinental, con- intercontinental <laughs> title with the real one. And I felt like everything he did to win that match played really well into his character. And, like, you know, how he was sort of outsmarting people as opposed to out-wrestling people. Yeah, and he, like... He was basically telling the truth. He never lost yeah. the belt. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he, like, the way he won was, like, through, like, being kind of conniving and kind of smart, like handcuffing the fucking thing to Jeff Hardy's ear or whatever. <laughs> like, See, ironically, um, when he was the the super babyface in NXT, um, I really liked the story they told of him not being able to win the big one. And then when he finally beat Neville for the title, I was like, that was fucking great storytelling. Yeah. Not not that this is a Sami Zayn fan podcast, but he might be my favorite wrestler right now. <laughs> Still great, even though he's not like the typical Sami Zayn we were used to, you know, before. He, he still does great work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then I didn't watch Raw. And then I didn't hear anything about Raw, so I'm assuming nothing really important happened. <laughs> I heard that the Hurt Business got back together. Oh, Wow. Which I assume means they're going to SmackDown to feud with the Bloodline. Yeah, I guess they had nothing else to do with uh, Cedric Alexander and Schultz. <laughs> I mean, you can only get so many people into those 24-7 segments. That's a good point. Um, so, obviously, Big E retained his title. I I, I assume, because yeah, I feel like I, I would have heard if he had Exactly. I would have heard about it. I would have opened up. You know, Twitter, and it would have been all over the place. So, Big E, justice for Big E, he lost the title in two weeks. Nobody said that about Edge when he lost it in three weeks back to John Cena in 2006, but whatever. <laughs> um, I, would, I wouldn't know. I wasn't watching in 2006. Consider yourself lucky. 2006 was another year that was full of a lot of hope and a lot of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> like, they brought back uh, I, ECW, I imagine- and I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever, and then they ruined ECW. Wasn't it, like, decidedly not extreme? Yep. Kind of like the pay-per-view, actually. And then they tried to come out with their own pay-per-view after they had watered down the product ridiculously, and it was mm-hmm. called December to Dismember, and it went down as one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. Okay, that sounds like something I've heard people discuss. Yeah. Was, but, yeah. It was really bad. To the point where Bobby Lashley won the ECW title. But not when he was cool, when he was fighting, like, Donald Trump and stuff. 
<laughs> that sounds that sounds just fucking yeah. awful. This is a great version of Bobby Lashley. Let let's not forget that we are not that far removed from Bobby Lashley's favorite pose. We are right. not and that Bobby far Lashley removed. And Lana, Lana, rather. Bobby Lashley marrying Lana. Bobby Lashley and his sisters. This is a great version of Bobby Lashley that we have now. And even this has been marred occasionally by him, like you know, talking. <laughs> Yeah, and also like when MVP was bringing out like the uh, the prostitutes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That I also like to joke were his sisters. Circular. He's going on. All right. Yeah. I do have just a little bit of news before we get into NXT. Uh, just a couple quick snippets. According to Fightful Select, Shane McMahon has rarely been at WWE offices as of late, and there initially a belief that he was no longer working for the company. The site noted that when we inquired with WWE reps, we were told he was still a WWE talent and under a deal. Shane has not been on WWE television since losing to Braun Strowman at WrestleMania 37. Would it shock you if Shane has become completely bored and disengaged with the product? Uh, no, because that would mirror my experience. Also, this isn't the first time Shane has distanced himself from the company. He left a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He left for, like, nine fucking years. And and they didn't really let his, like, he had the idea, and they didn't even really let it finish playing out. To be fair, I thought it was a garbage idea, Raw Underground. Oh, yeah. But, like, they, did, they didn't let him finish it, so that would probably, like, you know, given that it seemed like that was his baby, I could see how you would, like, if you think this is good, regardless of whether it's good or not, they cut it off before you get to, like, see it out. I, I could see that being something that would make someone completely disengage. Well, the funniest thing is, because he knows his father better than, than anybody, right? So, you know, he takes himself away from the company, steps away, he has success on his own in other countries and other markets. He comes back because nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. And and his father needed him for, for Dallas, okay? So, he, he you gotta, like, probably figure that the first year or so, everything's, like, happy and, like, oh, it's so fun to be back. And then, like, after a while, like, Vince starts shitting all over his ideas again. It's like, he's doing stuff on TV, he fucking hates, and he's like, what? I'm just gonna leave again. This was, <laughs> this was a bad idea. <laughs> it's like getting back into a shitty relationship. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, dude, remember the pop when Shane came back? Yeah, yeah. Do I didn't know, get that, but I do remember. Do you <laughs> realize what the pop would be like now if he showed up on Raw? Which he might, because this Friday is the fucking draft. How how is that going to work without authority figures? Not that I want authority figures, but you know the answer to that. Adam Pierce and yeah, Sonya yeah. Deville, who are weirdly the authority figures for both shows, kind of. I would like to point out because I actually was thinking about this the other day. Maybe two or three years ago, all the McMahons, including Triple H, stood in the ring and they were like, "No more authority figures." <laughs> You're the authority. And then, yeah, remember that? You're the authority. We listen to you. And then that was the night that Vince was like, if we give you less of what you don't like and more of what you do like, then you'll like it. (laughs) And then they also used Baron Corbin as like a scapegoat for like the last two years of shitty television. They were like, this is his fault. Let's kick his ass. (laughs) 
And, like, while the amount of Baron Corbin in the product at that point was a, an issue, like, it was more creative and not so much Baron Corbin himself. Because, like, I actually, I think Baron Corbin, like, puts 100% into everything they set in front of him. Just a lot of it is trash. Yes. Um, I agree with you. But the thing is, they said all that that night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then yeah. they turned around and gave us the next two years. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and they've uh and they have like these sort of quasi authority figures that they refuse to call authority figures. Yeah. WWE management. <laughs> Meanwhile, Adam Cole can book I mean Adam Cole. No. <laughs> Adam Adam Pierce can book a match, so how is he different than any other GM? He can right? also find and suspend people. So like and they Sonya eased into it because sort of. originally he was just a spokesman for the WWE or backstage official. Yeah, yeah, he was like a voice for like yeah. disembodied WWE, you know, the board of directors. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden he started being the power figure. Like he's like this close to getting his own office and shit. Unless he has one already, he might. Yeah, uh, who who could say? If it happened in the last two weeks, I wouldn't fucking know. Sure. All right, let's move on to another story. On a uh, during an appearance uh, on Renee Paquette's Oral Sessions podcast, Big E commented on the New Day's recent match against the Bloodline on Raw. Said, "I wish we had more time and more build, and hopefully we'll be able to revisit it because obviously it didn't really conclude. I'm not saying it was bad, but I hope we can do it again." That is, that is a fair point. I mean, we're talking about two factions that have been intertwined or or even like fantasy booked for like what six years now and we never really got it and now we're finally like oh let's let's do it on raw and and okay but it wasn't that it wasn't what we wanted like i think people wanted like a big big main event at a pay-per-view you know if they're smart they could figure out a way to do it at survivor series pretty easily i'd be fine if they wanted to revisit that and put that as the main event of survivor series because, like, we don't need the... Cha- like, the champion versus champion matches don't tend to do that much for me anyway, so, like... No, give me a story of of Roman and, and the Usos, um, and then, you know, the whole history of the New Day, mm. of, of why, and then now that it's Big E's time, and, and he's, he's the future, and, like... Dude, one thing I gotta say, Big E, fuck, he looks fucking amazing with that belt. And he sounds believable. Like, well, it was on Extreme Rules. He cut a promo on Lashley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fucking great. I was like, yes, that's what he I'm is, talking about. He is fucking light years beyond Lashley as a promo. Oh, yeah. But and honestly, I, I, I find him more entertaining entering as well. But Sure. But I, it's funny because I always thought that, that Woods was the promo guy in the New Day. And, and Kofi was definitely serviceable, but... But Biggie and Biggie was funny, but Biggie felt like a big deal on in that promo. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say I've never been big on Kofi as a promo. Like other than when like he was on his like his Rise. run to the title and yeah, like drawing off yeah. of like the real life shit in general, I don't like him too much. I think uh, I promo. think the real life shit does a lot. Because I watched it like from the beginning till now, so it felt mm. real. That's fair. And I actually, uh, I, I would like to see like them give 
Xavier a mid-card run, at least, because I feel like he can do more than they've let him do. He's got to be king of the ring. He's got to be the gimmick. Or that. Or that. I would love it. He feels like the one guy who could make a king of the ring gimmick not suck. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, like, fucking Corbin. King Corbin was a train wreck. We, we've already built it up that if they ever want to pull that trigger and have him win the king of the ring, the crowd will fucking be there for it. <laughs> Uh, all right, last story that I have here, and I'm sorry if I didn't get any good news stories this week. I just kind of <laughs> fell into these ones by going to, like, a clickbait site. But at least they're from legitimate sources. So, in regards to Sheamus having a second surgery on his nose, Mike Johnson of PWInsider.com reported that Sheamus will likely miss just a few weeks of action. Johnson added that you shouldn't expect to see Sheamus during the WWE Draft episode of Raw. Okay. That's interesting, because that means he could either be a free agent when he comes back, which I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, December, right? Or... That's incorrect. Or he could be, um... Like, they could draft him, and then he just doesn't show up on that show until, you know, when he's when he's healthy. Maybe, maybe. I mean, honestly, he's been on the show enough that... And he's a big enough part of what's going on that it might be weird if he didn't get drafted. Mm, that's true. That's the thing, too. This isn't a shakeup. This is a legitimate draft. Mm. So we are going to have to address everyone on the fucking roster. <laughs> yeah, and we're probably going to get most of like the people that are worth watching on NXT as well as they... Uh... I forgot. That's right. NXT is going to be included. And they are not going to, uh, uh, they're not going to get the pick. No, right. No, no, no. We're, they're just going to lose some people and they're going to, they're going to have all these, like, half-baked characters that they're running with now. You know why Vince does that? Because he's used to poaching talent. He's been doing it for 40 years. I mean, that's how he built his fucking company. <laughs> <laughs> Looked that's at the fair. AWA. Oh, Hogan. Yeah. Mean Gene. Bring him over. Portland has one star. His name's Roddy Piper. Nope, not yet anymore. <laughs> he poached, and I, I'm not kidding you, he poached the Macho Man Randy Savage. And then, to this day, acts like he was his creation. <laughs> that, that sounds like Vince. Yeah, well. <laughs> Alright, that's all I have for news. Do you have anything? Anything? I, I never even look up news. I'm I'm not that tapped into that side of, side of wrestling fandom. Alright, fair enough. I hear about news when you guys talk about news. You know, it's probably a better way to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's still rough waters in, in here a lot of the time, but, you know, it could be worse. Because, mm. like, I don't want to obsess over all the minutia. <laughs> That's fair. So, this is the first time I've been on NXT 2.0 rundown. Mm. Which, it's like NXT rundown, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the rebrand. I don't mind the logo change, right? It's calling something 2.0 feels like you fucked up the first time. It also it also doesn't like consider that NXT has been through like three iterations already. That's also true. Like um, it was a game show. It was, um, it was a reality competition. It was uh, a very... It was basically FCW with a new coat of paint. And then it sort of became, like, the Indie Darling show. Uh, and 
See, this is the thing. The one thing I will say about the rebrand is I think this is them getting back to what they originally wanted. Now, I never liked what they originally wanted because what they originally wanted is what they did with ECW. They uh-huh. stripped it. They made it a place to, to test out gimmicks and, and, and a place for, for their new talent to work. So I think that's a fine thing to exist, but it doesn't make compelling television. Exactly. Like if you're, if you're going to do that, don't fucking broadcast it. Just like, like have that thing exist somewhere and have this two hours of television be something that doesn't fucking suck. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because, um, I, I'm sure you've seen it in, in any any type of Brock Lesnar promo package, John Cena promo package, Batista, Randy Orton. Apparently, all those people were doing amazing things in OVW, right? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I never fucking watched OVW once. Um, and originally, when NXT in 2012 and 2013 was a WWE.com show, I didn't <laughs> fucking watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Like you said, the problem is that after the network launched, it started getting a cult following because all of the best of the indies started being signed. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Adam Cole, like Tommaso Ciampa, fucking Alistair. Like they brought in like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And combine that with the fact that Triple H seems to actually care about like cohesive storytelling. Because Triple H is old school. Yeah, like that was a good good recipe for, like, even at its worst, an eminently watchable show. Yeah. Like, bad episodes of old NXT were still, like, you could find things to enjoy. Yeah. Like, absolutely. pretty easy. And the thing with Triple H is, as much as I didn't like how either he politicked to book himself in the 2000s, or how they <laughs> wanted to book him, um, he actually does have a really good mind for the business. In my mm-hmm. opinion. I... I Everything that I have seen would suggest that, but I'll admit I don't I don't follow those things as closely as most. So when NXT and all of a sudden they brought on brought over Nakamura and all, all these fucking people, and then it started being so popular that they had to put it in arenas, and then it started being so popular that they started mingling with Raw and SmackDown. Like mm-hmm. I think. If I'm being honest, they never like Vince specifically in the in the higher ups. They never wanted NXT to be like that. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because you would think like, oh, a money maker, where I can fucking get all the WWE smarks and, and, and indie fans to pay me their money. Yeah, you would. The the I think the largest uh, thing that would support your statement there is they never capitalized on it. Like. Yep. That opportunity was there. If they wanted it to be more or less on par with Raw and SmackDown, they, after that Survivor Series where they invaded, they weren't that far from that. Would have taken maybe a little bit of work, but they could have gotten it there, I feel like. And they could have done what they've always dreamed of doing, which is create their own competition. Mm -hmm. Because you could have marketed it that NXT is a renegade brand and they do things different on the black and gold, right? Mm -hmm. And then traditionalists and kids can like Raw and SmackDown. We have fun over here. Some bullshit like that. <laughs> you literally could have, you know, positioned WWE fans against each other, and you would have got the money from both of them in right. droves. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So now we're at the rebrand. So this is what they decided to do, which is hauntingly uh, what Jason said that it feels like what the original two what happened to the original two hundred five live, where it started off really exciting and then they stopped caring, and then it just got really shitty, and then nobody watched, and then it got shittier, and now it's got people who are fucking three hundred pounds. <laughs> I I'm, I'm sorry, but like I just uh, this new NXT. I'm not I'm not digging the vibe. Speaking of the vibe, I don't mind the song, but I don't feel like the video matches it. I don't like the song, so I uh, I don't mind uh, the song. I don't lo- like. You're not going to hear me bump the song or anything, but I don't mind it as a wrestling opening song. I'm I'm also a Poppy fan, so uh, I I enjoyed like the other stuff. Sure. Um. But but also the video is very uh, Saturday morning wrestling. <laughs> That's what it feels <laughs> like to me, like like a recap show. Like I don't know, it's just look. It, it's it's gonna be analyzed and overanalyzed that the fact that you know for two years Dynamite had this color explosion open, and now two years later NXT is like colors. Like it's, the comparisons are there because they allowed them to be there. So I'm not I'm not saying they're copying them. I'm just saying that's what people are gonna think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I uh I I don't have much of a take on whether they're copying them or not. I I truthfully don't really care that I much. don't either. It's just like I never wanted NXT to be this bright and colorful. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't really like I was happy with NXT. Like, you know, the way it was. <laughs> Not only so, was I happy with NXT, if you wanted to transition into a Raw Underground feel, I'd be down for that too. You know? I, I was hoping that all of the changes to the new NXT were going to be superficial and that we were going to get more or less the same show. Yeah. Uh, with just like a new coat of paint and what we've got is markedly worse. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of markedly worse, we begin tonight with Hit Row. Which is fine. Okay? But they're given the opening promo spot. And they want them... They go out there with the direction of being the New Day. And that's not what Hit Row should be doing. (laughs) The whole opening promo, it just felt like... We got a really big show tonight. Odyssey Jones is here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, this, this is starting, like... It, the show hasn't gone long enough that we can say that this is going to be a thing de- definitively, but Ciampa did the same thing last week. He yeah. came out and he just, like, came out as Tommaso Ciampa brand ambassador and now hit Row, I guess, slot into that role because Ciampa saw that this show was so bad that he didn't fucking come to the, come to the arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he Skyped in. Right. But, uh, yeah, I did, it didn't work for me particularly well. And also, Swerve kind of bragging about never defending his title isn't a great look. Right? Yeah, I didn't understand that. Um, and it just feels like the whole thing was forced. It feels like, yeah. go out there, say this, say this, and make sure you say this. So that right. everybody in the ring's like, okay, what do I say next? Uh, hey, Legato, if you, uh, mess with us, then, then if you don't know, now you know. And I'm like, who's yeah, that, right? Is Shawn Michaels writing these lines? Because he's not a rapper. Yeah, oh, 
the whole show felt like it was written by a 12-year-old, but... <laughs> which, you know, remembering some of DX's skits... That's fair. Maybe it was Sean. <laughs> they got Road Dog back there? That wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, it didn't feel great. Was there any gay bashing? Because if there was, then Road Dog was probably involved. Uh, that's a good point. Um... Or even worse, this this got Bruce Pritchard written all over it, to be honest with you. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I just I didn't care for this um, attempt at being entertaining. It like I used to actually like when the New Day would, would cut a promo to open the show, because it was funny most of the time. But this was like, hey, our first match is B-Fab, so we gotta get her in the ring. But also, we gotta promote the, the new 2.0, so... Uh, Except, do you? You could have just started with a match. It's a wrestling show. It is, and that's what NXT used to do. Speaking of matches, they decided that this qualified for a match. Match number one, B-Fab versus Elektra in a no-DQ match. So, I'm not going to go spot for spot. That's not my deal. I know I do it on AW, but guess what, fans? I don't particularly like to... Also, also, the spots weren't good in this match. No, no. So, right off the bat, everything felt rushed, and um, there was a lot of hesitation, especially from B-Fab. I was going to say, B-Fab doesn't look ready to be in the spot where she's, like, not protected by like other participants of a match yeah and even the smoke and mirrors of a uh of a no dq match didn't didn't help her that much no right off the bat she hesitated on a single leg drop kick that made her look bush league <laughs> like i don't see that shit in the indies dude and then just the whole fucking thing felt clunky it felt confusing it felt slow they didn't know where to go at the time mm-hmm. that, that spot when they were on the outside and and she um Slammed her leg on the on the oh, legs of yeah. the table, and then because the fucking thing fell, and then she reset to do the spot that she meant to do. I this whole fucking match, I thought I was watching Jade versus Nyla Rose, but somehow less polished. <laughs> See, dude, it was fucking bad, man. It was like, do these girls even know what they're doing? And then it actually got worse. When when Legato and and Hit Row got thrown out, because then it's right. like, oh shit, we lost our distractions. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a mess. I honestly, I came out of this having no idea what to think of Lopez because Bfab looked so bad that I was focused on how bad she looked, and I don't remember like Lopez's contributions to the match really. Like she may have also looked bad, but she looked better than B-Fab, so that was not what drew my attention. She looked green, but mm-hmm. B-Fab was just missing left and right. Mm-hmm. Like, her kicks were in left field. Even, like, her her charging in, like, half the time, she her timing was fucking... Her timing was really bad. Like, and I don't think it's her fault, necessarily. It's just... This is a cable show, guys. Okay. That's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this, these, these sorts of things should be happening in closed, like, fucking rings where we don't have to see it. If someone really wants to see that, I guess sell tickets, but like, it, it's not gonna appeal to like a large audience, I would have to assume. No, it's, it's, 
Definitely not for prime time. Sorry. <laughs> it is. And it, it would not shock me if, if in, if this trend continues, if in a year or so time, they say something like NXT is going exclusive to Peacock. Like, it would not surprise me. I mean, why not, man? Like, run this fucking contract out. Like, you fleeced USA for some money and then, like, turned it into this. Like, yeah. sure. Sure. So, uh, Electro wins with kind of the Blue Thunderball. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because she did. It's so weird to see someone win with a blue thunderbomb, having ha- having been a fairly big fan of Sami Zayn since uh, since I got back into wrestling. True, um, that that's always a kick out of two in my world. Yeah, but it looks better when Sami does it. I'm just saying. that's true. <laughs> but like you know, it was cool. It was yes, it was fine. And it honestly, was fine. On the subject of Sami Zayn, I think it looks cooler than the Haluva kick most of the time. Oh yeah. Oh, My favorite yeah, Haluva kick was the one where he hit Kevin Owens when Kevin Owens was on commentary. Oh, that one really? That was your favorite one? Stiff. Did you ever see the one, and not to get off topic, but we're going to do that a lot tonight. Did you ever see the one where, that he gave uh, Sami Zayn, I'm sorry, that he gave Owens when they had their um, their big, big feud on the main roster? I probably did, but it's not immediately jumping to my mind. It was, it was maybe four or five years ago, but it was really fucking good. And he hit him, and because it was the end of the feud, he held him up, and then he hit him again. (laughs) Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was fucking great, because it was just the perfect combination of that that story that they told. Him and fucking Kevin Owens, they have, like, the best fucking chemistry. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So... I guess it's fine that Electra won. Um, I gotta be honest, Beefab kind of got the shit kicked out of her this whole match. Uh, all that talk, and then she doesn't back it up, and she gets pinned clean. Mm. But, but mm. she also she also looked bad enough that like you know if she had won, like it probably wouldn't have been satisfying anyway. So no, no, it would not have. But they didn't do this girl any favors. They made her look like she's a chump. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that, like, this feud has been going on for, I don't know, a few months, and doesn't seem like it's actually going anywhere. Like, Yeah, I thought the whole point was to get um, Santos Escobar the uh, North American title. Right, but that would involve Swerve defending it. Right. <laughs> so, apparently that's not a thing that's going to happen, despite the fact that there are rumors going around that they're going to get drafted. Also, after seeing this BFAB match, don't fucking draft this team. Or this uh, faction, rather. No, I can, I can see Legato getting drafted. I can't see Hit Row getting drafted. The, the thing I've been uh, I, I've come across on Twitter seems to suggest people think Hit Row are going to get drafted, and I think that would be terrible. Like, Swerve's ready. But I, I don't know that anyone else in the group is. And certainly not BFAB. Why well, can I? I hate to say this, but I feel like if they got drafted, they would be part of the twenty four seven parade. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> All right, that's just that's exactly where my mind goes instantly. All right, from there uh, we go to our first honeymoon segment 
for uh, Indy and Dexter. Index, if you will. Mm. Uh, first of all, I do have to give credit where credit's due. Damn, Indy. Holy shit. She looked fine oh, sure. as hell. Sure, fine sure. as fucking hell. Um, also, Johnny Gargano's b- banana fucking Hawaiian shirt was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I like Johnny Gargano. And I wish they were doing less of this and more of him wrestling, but sure. Um, so that, but then it gets kind of weird because they, they play it like Index is about to have sex in the ocean. That Johnny has to stop them, which what grounds does he have to want to stop them? They're married now. Also, why are they on the honeymoon with fucking in Index anyway? Like it, it feels like what? they snuck on, like they did it behind their backs because they're like hidden in like a separate bungalow. I guess. I guess. Mm. Um, I did. I did laugh when he came up from the water with the shark fin. I thought that was good. I uh, did not. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <sighs> I it doesn't uh, it doesn't help that for me. Like I, I actively dislike most things which involve Dex- Dexter Lumis. Sure. Like so, Johnny has to bring fire for me to for me to get anything out of these segments, and this wasn't that. This was. Yeah. I mean, it's better than what comes next, but yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Wait, what what comes next in these segments, or what comes next on the episode? Uh, in the uh, in the episode. Okay, no. okay. So, I despise what comes next in the episode. Interesting. All right, next up is Joe Gacy. So let's talk about Joe Gacy because Joe Gacy supposedly was canceled last week, but it looks like that was all work because mm-hmm. here he is, the character's back, and he's doubling down. Uh, he gets promo time by himself. There's no feud here. He's just kind of character building in the ring, which is a little bit weird. Sort of. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't hate it because... Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Are you familiar with the with the story of the serial killer of um, John Gacy? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not super well versed in serial serial killers. So I, I did watch the documentary. You can watch it too on Peacock. Uh, <laughs> way before Joe Gacy was a thing. And the thing with John Gacy is he killed a lot of people, but he was a an insane pathological liar that would make anybody believe that he is like a saint. Like, very, very smart and educated and knows how to, like, say certain things and, and, and try to, like, make you have doubt, even if you have fucking proof. He's a mm. manipulator. He makes everybody think that he's not a bad guy, right? So if this turns into there's another side of Joe Gacy where he's a fucking psychopath, that I'm there for. Uh, I still feel like... It, it's millennial written by 70-something. Ah, that's good. It, it, it just doesn't, like, it doesn't feel in any way authentic. Like, it doesn't feel like an actual character. It feels like a caricature. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, normal people don't talk like that or act like right. that or... Yeah. And also, additionally, I had a big issue with the line, like, he had a bigger impact and he didn't even throw a punch. Dude, you were in a fucking match. Yeah. Which you lost. Right. You both attempted to, uh, to wrestle and lost. Like, you, you made no impact. Right. Um... We'll we'll kind of see where it goes. There there is. I'm hoping I won't see. There is a place <laughs> in wrestling for the delusional if you are good. Like Seth Rollins is delusional and he's good at it. Though. Seth Rollins is really good. He's doing the best work of his fucking career right now. Right. So I'm not saying that we can expect anything like that from Joe Casey. I'm just saying I'll give it a couple more weeks. But if it's just the same old, same old, then yeah, I'm not there for it. I'm not sure if I'm going to give it a couple more weeks. Uh, I, this this episode of NXT fucking broke me, man. Like I said, for me, it got progressively worse. But, okay. Here's one thing I didn't mind. Match number two. A newcomer, Zion Quinn. And I know he was on TV in the, in the parking lot, and he had a match a couple weeks ago. I know that. I think it was last week. Relatively newcomer, Zion Quinn. Versus Oni Logan. Now, the fucking um, just stark difference between Zion Quinn, his his look, right? Mm -hmm. He looks like he could fight Roman tomorrow. Like that, he's chiseled out of stone. Good looking dude. And then you look at Oni Logan, and you're like, oh, you're the local talent that's gonna lose tonight. Right, right. And I, I love Oni, but it's just, it's, it's facts. <laughs> so, I thought this was alright. Um, I think Zion Quinn's got potential, and he finishes Oni off with a running forearm. He, uh, also, like, well, not him, just this new NXT, the matches are really fucking short. It's hard to get too much out of them. Like, That's true. For the most part. No, this felt like a squash. I know how you feel about squash matches. And know. last week was packed to the fucking gills with squash yes. matches, too. Like The only thing, and I, nothing to do with the time of the match, but the fact that it's Oni and it's not, you know, a local talent. It's a guy that we've seen on NXT for a long time. It's a former champ. I didn't hate it, but yeah, I'd like to see more out of Zion. For a longer period of time, like a good, you know, give me a few, but you know. I will say this match was one of the better things on this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, easily. Um, because I walked away from this being like, I, I am excited to see where Zion Quinn goes. And I thought Oni gave him a good fight because that's what Oni does. Oni fights, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, after that, Grayson Waller cuts a promo. <sighs> this was shit. Okay. This was unbelievably shit, and the stock footage of just random-ass people doing the things he's talking about didn't help. Grayson like, Waller, as a name and as a look, and, and, you know, I hear the voice, I see the look, and I'm like, okay, there could be something there, there's potential. And then they saddle him with a thrill-seeker gimmick. What? <laughs> what kind of stupid fucking shit are we doing here? Do you know who else had a thrill seeker gimmick? Jericho in 1990. 
<laughs> and Lance Storm, of all people. Okay? Somebody obnoxiously telling you that they like to jump out of planes and they, and they, they love to, to do all this extreme stuff and it, they're not cool. <laughs> and then comparing it to getting in the ring with one of the least interesting versions of Robert Strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. miss Roddy with a personality. I'm going to say that right now. Well, Malcolm Bivens is supposed to be his personality. <laughs> that doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I hate the gimmick of Grayson Waller, Thrill Seeker. And then, uh, speaking of Thrill Seekers, MSK come flying out. Uh, and then we go to break. So all that hype for the champs, and then we go to break, which is fine. Mm. Samantha Irvin interviews MSK. Uh, they're gonna keep smoking the tag team division. Uh huh. That was decent. I'll give him that. Uh, then the grizzled young vets come out and don't even get the catch. Like, they, they're out there for 10 seconds. They don't get their catchphrase in. And then I'll come Carmelo Hayes and, uh, Trick. Trick. Trick sucks. Trick, Trick really sucks. Sucks. But first of all, Great, so now we're doing another WWEFI segment where we just have a bunch of people come out. Oh, yeah. Like like a fucking tag team parade. Like, no, I want a title shot. No, I want a uh-huh. title shot. Like, for, I, I hate that. I've always hated that. That's fair. Uh, why would Carmelo use his fucking title shot on a tag sh- title shot? Wh- no, we don't need Trick to get the tag belts. And no, we don't need to waste time with Carmelo Hayes in the tag division because this man, who used to be Christian Casanova, um, was starting to get some momentum before they saddled him with fucking Trick. <laughs> right, right. Um, and granted, I, I understand he lost to, to Santos, but that wasn't a problem until they made it a problem. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not happy that Carmelo is being used like this right now. I hate Trek. I don't think he's good at all. His timing's awful. It's not funny. And then the worst, the worst gimmick <laughs> of the NXT 2.0 come out, and that is um, I don't know Old Town Road Cowboys. I. You mean uh, Brooks Jensen and 205 Live regular Josh Briggs? Yep. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, I, I, I thought that last week when we got the introduction of why Briggs and uh, the other dude are friends, I thought that was the worst that this gimmick was going to be. Like, the worst it could possibly be. Because... Because that bar fight was unbelievably poorly staged? That bar fight was, first of all, terrible. Yeah. Also, Josh Briggs has never talked like that in anything I've ever seen him in. He is not convincing at all in this role. No, because it's not a role for him. This is, this is like, I don't know what they saw. This feels like Bruce Pritchard. 
hundred percent does. Like you're gonna be a cowboy. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bruce seems to know the exact type of like inane bullshit that makes Vince happy. So like, I mean, that's why his fingerprints are all over everything now. And to be honest, even even if this gimmick came from Sean and Triple H, I would literally be like, why? Right. What the fuck are you doing to this kid? It's just, there is no reason for him and the other dude to be friends. And the bar fight was stupid, and nobody goes into a bar and picks their friends after a fight. It's just... Yeah. <sighs> if, if not for the presence of the grizzled young veterans in this segment, it would have been unwatchable for me. Because, like, Zach Gibson just being mystified by everyone else was a source of amusement. But that other true. than that, this was fucking well, Because Zach Gibson is actually amazing um yeah yeah he's really good his work in the early nxt uk was really fucking good um i think he was going against pete dunn i think they had a fucking program when pete dunn was uk champion it was fucking great anyway uh yeah this clusterfuck of a segment that did nothing none of these people that. are beating msk except for maybe that. the grizzled young vets. yes I feel like every time MSK gets, like, a good amount of time to talk, I like them a little bit less than I did the previous time that I saw them talk. Like, they're supposed to be faces, right? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to talk you into the building, but they're supposed to be stupid, arrogant stoner kids. Which I'm not opposed to. (laughs) Fair enough. But um, the other thing, too, that I hate about the cowboy gimmick is the fact that the homeboy over there called... Josh Briggs, Brother Briggs. And oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Brother Briggs? Ugh. <laughs> Where's Brother Devon and Brother Ray? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. All right. Enough, enough said about that fucking segment. All right. Dinner time is with Raquel Gonzalez. She asks Raquel a question. Raquel ignores it. Um, and then Toxic Attraction come in and... Mandy was the best part of the entire segment. Because her line was the only thing that didn't sound like it was read from a script. I will say that I found it amusing that, like, they leave and then uh, dinner time doesn't see fit to finish the interview. They're just <laughs> like, all right, we're done here. We were talking to the champ. Who cares about that? Eh. On to the next thing. Yeah. Like, just from a logic perspective, <laughs> you would think that you would want to continue your interview, but... That's a good point. Or, or at least Raquel should be like, this interview's over. Like, something to just not be like, ah, I guess we're done. I will say Gigi and Clone Gigi are both relatively attractive, so they had that going for them. They are smoking hot. They are both smoke shows. Uh, I, I, I think that, uh, not Gigi has, has the better ass, but Gigi's ass is more on display. I was gonna say, with Gigi's her shorts. ass is just all Plane. Yeah, like she she is wearing like half shorts essentially. But um, no, JC Jane, the non Gigi, uh, <laughs> actually looks really good with darker hair. Digging it, digging the look. I'm uh, not sure how I feel about Mandy with darker hair. Though. I don't. I'm still not okay with that. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just not. Look, You're not I, there yet. I liked my golden goddess. All right, just as she was, tan, blonde, dumb. I mean. <laughs> I, th- I thought her one line tonight was infinitely better than anything she said last week. Yeah. Then that's Other what I, than shutting down the what chant. I did like how she shut down the what chant last week. That was good. 
but no, th- this was very on point. That title looks good on you. It looked a whole lot better on me. That's it. You don't need. It feels like that. Are they going to do that? They're gonna they're gonna bump Raquel up to the main roster and just have Mandy hold that belt for a bit. I mean, it it wouldn't be the worst thing because Mandy does have a click with her now. She has a little bit of of uh, relevancy because she was on the main roster for so long and people know who she is, so she could be a credible you know champ by that regard. And I, I feel I feel like Raquel would be fine on the main roster. I agree. Um, no, I think Mandy would be a good heel because she has her heaters. If it was just her by herself, I'd worry a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because she has her group and, and her faction, I think they could definitely do a me- dude. I've I was a big fan of the beautiful people in TNA, the original beautiful people, um, because back then they didn't do Mean Girl gimmicks, and I and this was like way before like. Michelle McCool and fucking Layla and all that. Um, because that shit was awful. But, <laughs> but no, I thought I thought the original Beautiful People had a really good gimmick of we're better than you because we're harder than you and everybody else sucks. And if Mandy and, and, and uh, Gigi and, and JC do, this, do that, I'm fine with it. If they stop running shit, which they kind of did, and we'll talk about that later... Right, right. I'm good with it, man. That's the one shining thing I can take out of NXT. We'll get to this very soon, but I would have liked to have seen them get get the tag titles yeah. and free Eo up to do literally anything else. Match number three: Io Shirai and Zoe What's Her Face versus Toxic Attraction. The champ, well, the champs hit a pretty nice stereo springboard dropkick. Uh, but the dive parade got a little scary, uh, specifically when I thought Gigi was going to fall and not be caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, no one caught Eo off the moonsault. Right. But they sold it like she made massive impact. She landed in between them, and they both fell to the floor like a bomb went off. Yeah, yeah. It I was hate, bad. <laughs> I hate... I honestly think that everyone in the WWE should stop doing moonsaults until they figure out you shouldn't sell them when they barely touch you. Yeah. Oh, also, catch your fucking opponent. Also that. <laughs> um, oh, shit, that person's jumping. <laughs> right. Like, you might ha- you might want to react just a little bit faster. Just saying. Um, so this whole match, I felt like EO was carrying the match. Like, Zoe was fine on certain moves that she executed, but in general, she seemed lost. Zoe can do I guess Zoe things well, but like she's she's not great, and I guess maybe that's why you stash her in a tag team, but you feel like you could do a lot more with EO. And from a character perspective, this that tag team is the fucking worst. So, I was kind of hoping that we were going to talk tonight about the end of Eo and Zoe, because I thought they were going to lose. Yeah. And I was going to be like, wow, so we can both agree that this tag team really didn't work, and it was a terrible thing for Eo, right? It was awful, and is unfortunately still awful. I was going to say, but we can't talk about the end of it, because it's still fucking going. 
I also I don't like the really bright colors on EO. I'm not sure why that is, but like I mentioned that on this network years ago, and they all fucking attacked me for not liking EO, and I'm like, I'm not saying I didn't like EO. I'm saying I didn't like the neon fucking green. But anyway. It, it, it was refreshing to see her hit her finisher and not knee someone in the head. Yes. Uh, Which, spe- speaking seem- of- <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, it seems to mostly happen to Rhea. Yeah. Like, anytime she's wrestling Rhea, she... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but speaking of kneeing somebody in the head, Every time Zoe Starks hits that 360 GTS thing, it feels like she loses the person in the middle of the move. I don't think she does. It just looks kind of frantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hope that she's not losing them in the middle of the move. Is that sure, sure. Uh, EO ends it with the moonsault. Yay. No, I want, I didn't want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm over this team. As we, we, we touched on. How would you feel if this team lost the belts at a takeover to uh Caden Cotter and Casey Catanzaro? Uh I feel like you're probably bumping off a more entertaining match to make that happen, but if they lost the belts I'd be down for it. Okay. But I don't think that's a takeover qual- level match. Casey and and Caden have been getting really good at the double teams. Yeah, yeah. But if you throw Leo in there, it definitely could be decent. I I think the titles need to matter more than they do. Well, yeah, you have to build it. You can't just do it tomorrow. Like, you have to build it as, like, the biggest tag title match. Um, I don't know. The problem is they don't have anybody that feels buildable. Does that make sense? Like... Yeah, you have yeah. toxic attraction, but the heat is Mandy. The heat is not with Gigi and JC. I I don't think they care enough to build it either. Is the thing like well, that too? So like, because honestly, all it probably really would take is some effort. That's true. Which I thought they had when they had like Shotzi and Ember, but the less said about that, the better. I was gonna say that got derailed because uh, they wanted Sh- Shotzi up up to the main roster so that they could do nothing with her. Yeah. Her and Tegan. So glad they're in the main roster. Yeah. And, like, Tegan was in the middle of something, too. Like I, I would like to point out that Tegan just came back to, to start that fight with Candace, And it was going right. to be a red-hot feud because Candace cost her another year of her career. Mm-hmm. But no! We can't do that! We gotta have him fucking fixing a tank on SmackDown four fucking weeks in a row. And, uh, and endlessly in championship contender matches that don't ever lead to title matches. It's Braun Breaker time! We get a nice little video package for Braun Breaker. They are definitely throwing all their support behind him. Mm-hmm. Now, the kid. Solid. Good luck. Looks like his dad. Talks like his uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like somehow both of his parents are Rick and Scott. Well, if you got 50% of Rick, but then you got 66 and two-thirds percent of Scott, then you get 144% of Braun Breaker. <laughs> 
with 214% of the cocaine, I presume. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of which, all of a sudden NXT is swearing. Yeah, yeah. Seth like, Rollins pointed that on, out on Twitter. Which is fucking annoying, because the other channel swears in every fucking segment now. Yeah, yeah, it loses its effect when you do it all the time. So sure. now that NXT's starting to swear, I'm like, no, fuck, I can't deal with all this. I never thought I'd say that. I can't deal with all this swearing and wrestling. Of all people, for me to say that. But it's just, like you said, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Braun Breaker, I don't give a shit. You want a friend? Go get a dog. So, a few years ago, uh, Brock Lesnar famously said to Heath Slater, I don't give a shit about your kids. And because Brock Lesnar never actually talks, that line was awesome. Yeah. That line went viral. Braun Breaker says it, and I don't care. It doesn't do you, anything one way or the other for me. You also felt like Brock meant it. Like, That's that, that, fair. That was a shoot. <laughs> that is very fair. Uh, okay. Next out is uh, Tian Sha. Talk about failed gimmicks. What are we even doing? Didn't this start with the thing for Xia Lee to get over? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Because fuck Xia Lee. But... Yeah, but this whole gimmick isn't working for me at this point. Also, Boa sucks, too. Boa sucks. Mei Ying is just like, I don't know. A thousand-year-old version of the Great Muda, I guess, but only but the mist part. The the bright lights really don't do Maying any fa- favors. Like, no. it's hard to sell Mystique in a very well lit environment where it's just, oh, this is just someone with all their hair on their face. Like, oh, that's what I was gonna say with the lighting and the colors and the setup, right? This would have benefited from a grittier look. Uh huh. Have you ever watched Lucha Underground? Uh, no. Okay. It was basically a TV show. It wasn't even really a wrestling show. There was so much, like, other stuff going on, backstage stuff. But the one thing I liked about Lucha Underground a lot is the way they shot it felt gritty. This feels like NWA power. (laughs) Where it's, like, studio wrestling. But instead of being retro like NWA power is, it's... Um, like I said, it's, it's kid friendly. It's bright. It's colorful. It's Saturday morning cartoons. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for the most part, like the general aesthetic of the show hasn't bugged me all that much because the show itself has been taking the brunt of my, uh, my attention in terms of what's been bugging me. But in this particular match, like I felt like the, the the aesthetic of the show really clashes with the vibe of uh, Tian Sha or what it like so it extra didn't work here I guess yeah. and yeah just less Boa is 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 a good thing so seeing him in the ring like he got he got beat pretty quickly the last time out and I was hoping that meant no more of him but now he's back and now he's winning again and it sucks but he won because. Mei Ying breathed smoke? Breathed like she let out her, her inhale from her cigarette in this dude's face? Yeah, she's she's hiding a vape under all that hair. 
Oh, the dude, by the way, um, Andre Chase. That's... I also hate his gimmick, for the record. Okay, so, yes, Andre Chase versus Boa. So here's the thing with Andre Chase. Of all the fucking gimmicks in NXT 2.0, this one makes the least sense. <laughs> that's saying something? Why is he a teacher? Also, aren't they doing this gimmick at NXT UK with that big gangly guy? What's his name? Eddie Dennis? I think that was the premise for that gimmick, was he was a teacher. That I do not know. Actually, he was a teacher in real life, and they kind of worked it into the show. But but that was pre-pandemic. But Andre Chase's gimmick sucks. He shouldn't be losing to Boa. He shouldn't be on TV. This is a this this gimmick is a fucking FCW gimmick if I've ever seen one. Like Bush League level one deep south developmental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not good. It, I I I hated it more last week because they focused on it more. This week he kind of just lost and it still sucked. But not happy. I was not fucking happy about this. Uh, let's see here. What happened after that? My notes get a little screwy over here. Uh, I think it was the, uh, next, uh, honeymoon thing. It was the next honeymoon thing. Okay. Uh, which Johnny had, uh, one line that popped me, which was, uh, uh, after lying his way into the hotel room when he said, security around here sucks. I like that. But other than that, that was still not much for me. And this, like, Okay, uh, you, you may be about to recap this, but like you know, finding the bunch of condoms didn't do much for me. Uh, Loomis seeing him and then holding up more condoms didn't do much for me. Like, <laughs> it was, it felt very um, Saturday Night Live, but like the bad news. So, like most of them, yeah, exactly. Uh, we forgot, by the way, that after Braun Breaker gave his little promo. Uh, oh, the chomp, the Champa. That's right. Teleconference. Champa all of a sudden skyped in because apparently he's watching the show from his home in Milwaukee, and, and couldn't be bothered to find a decent mic. Nope. And he was like, "Hey, Ron Breaker. Uh, at some point, very soon, me and you are going to fight, which I think is happening next week or within the next two weeks." Because I remember hearing about it. And he says, um. Your inexperience is going to drown you. I haven't had this title for 908 days. Do you understand what I will do to keep this title? <laughs> Which Champa's promo's fine. Um, I I felt like the line "You're going to drown in an ocean of inexperience" felt a little overly scripted. But, a little bit, a little bit. I can see that. But overall, like, not that it had much competition, but it was probably the best promo on the show. <laughs> No, and that, that that's that's absolutely 100% true. It was the best promo on the show. The problem I have is, if you do have these two fight, if you don't drag this out into some type of story, then you're just going to kill the Braun Breaker train if Champa just beats him clean. Unless, unless Champa's going up. Maybe. All, the, dra- the draft being around the corner makes all of this, like, a lot harder to sort of, like, par- parse, like, where it's going. Because, like, 
depending on who they're planning on get, getting up to the main roster, you could just be hot shotting s- someone into a position that maybe they're not ready for. Like, I don't think Braun Breaker's really ready to be NXT champion yet. That, but. That's the thing. That's what's really throwing me. Because if you do call up Champa for the immediate future, wouldn't you want to have the title in someone's hands who you know can handle it? You would think, but... Even I'm... Pete Dunne would be an acceptable uh, situation until we got Joe back. Mm-hmm. Because it's believable. He was NXT UK champ. He's, he's fought champ to the nail. I'd be fine. He has Ridge Holland as backup. I'd be fine if you transition and, and have Champa drop the title to, to Pete Dunne. I don't know where you go with this Braun Breaker thing because they might do the typical face versus face. And if it's WWE, it means that this match is going to end in, in some type of no contest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Pete Dunne interferes. Maybe Pete Dunne and Rich Hall interfere, and then we get a fatal four way. That's like the most or a tag match, probably. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> more like it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, I just, as much as I don't mind what they're doing with 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 uh, Braun Breaker, and as much as I do like Champa, I'm not really super excited to see those two fight. I think it's like too early. I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we talked about the honeymoon. We get some some protection. Uh, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. They don't. Uh, I guess Gargano went from not wanting them to fuck to wanting them to have protection for when they fuck yeah. really quickly, though. So you know that was that was interesting. The Just one, like, <laughs> the one he's evolved I, as a dad. The one thing I will give credit to Loomis. It is a very subtle thing. But I do enjoy when he, like, raises an eyebrow. When jo- like, his face is completely blank, but he'll just look at Johnny and, like... <laughs> sure, sure. It's it's decent, at least. Um, okay, Roderick, tr- cruise away title time, Roderick Strong versus Grayson Waller. So, Waller jumps strong from behind. It's a little weird. Right? I mean, yeah, that's I, I get it, he's super excited, but... You would think Roderick Strong, who has the backup, would not get jumped from behind? And also is the heel? Yeah. Well, that part, too. Uh, this, I mean, look. This wasn't bad. I think Grayson Waller's got some talent. Uh, Roddy's kind of, you know, he is what he is. Until Diamond Mind, I used to swear by, uh, Roddy Strong matches, but man, he's been fucking dull since since this has all been happening. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the finish was kind of out of nowhere because Waller goes from a famouser, Strong avoids it, runs at him with a with a with a jumping knee, and that's it. That's the pinfall. I thought we were gonna at least get the end of Heartache. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that says where says everything about where Waller is in terms of like you know his threat level that it doesn't take a finisher to beat him. Yeah, because he's. I mean, he's just a rookie kid, and he didn't earn this. He kind of just came out there and shot his mouth off, and 
Roddy shut it, so I guess that's fine. Yeah, and the match was okay. No, I liked it. I thought, like I said, I think Grayson Waller's got some talent. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. Roddy needs better character for this to work. He needs to either be, like, really, really mean, or, like, he could be Dean Malenko-focused, but then we need to tell that story. Mm -hmm. Like, the Iceman Roddy Strong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if he's not going to have a personality, we might as well go that route. (laughs) Uh, That's fair. Uh, we had backstage for an interview with L.A. Knight, and he completely uh, tears into Odyssey Jones, who just happens to be standing behind him, because that's not cliche-ish. And yeah, then, WWE loves that. Uh, and then uh, Odyssey Jones like taps him on the shoulder, and fucking L.A. Knight jumps out of his skin. So I'm already annoyed, because no fucking wrestler that's the size of L.A. Knight should be jumping out of their skin on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. And speaking of which, then we double down because they both fucking jump out of their skin. Um, because Andre because, Chase says shit. Because Andre Chase came out? Wait a minute. Fucking powerhouse over here. I know that's a different guy. But Odyssey Jones... Is a is a truck, and he's gonna get scared by Andre Chase, <laughs> dude. He legit jumped. I was like, yeah, that's a yeah. bad look. I'm sorry. It was also a bad look how easily he got like bested by L.A. Knight after that. Happened. Oh yeah, right after that, he's the big dumb idiot because L.A. Knight just punches him in the face and kicks the shit out of him. But like, it didn't even feel like that much offense for him to be selling it as much as he was. Like, no, all of a sudden, Odyssey Jones is dead. Yeah, you would have think that if L.A. Knight kicked him in the nuts and then like put the boost to him, that's a little bit more believable. Mm. But L.A. Knight didn't really do anything, and yeah, Austin like, Jones is dead in the water. He can't even a punch and two kicks or something like that. That was yeah. it. It was pretty poor. You would think he got hit by a fucking truck. Uh, yeah, it, look, it, I think L.A. Knight came out of this okay, because at least he looked like the smarter one, but, I don't know. But then he's going to lose next week anyway. Yeah, oh, he's absolutely going to lose. He's he's sort of on the road to sort of, like, being NXT's Dolph Ziggler, I think. But he could lose, and he could also get drafted. This is a guy I could see on Raw. Yeah, yeah. He he has a very main roster quality to him, although now I don't know how much of a distinction that is, but... That's a good point. Well, the thing is, he, he does one thing that Vince can work with, and that's talk. Mm-hmm. Long as you can talk, I think Vince like likes to... Like, Enzo. Look how much fucking shit they did with Enzo. Yeah, and he was a trash wrestler. And it was, Whereas, I was going to say, it had nothing to do with wrestling ability or anything like that. Like, in NXT, he was trying to be, like, in a tag team cast, and he would always take the heat and do the hot tag. And it worked, but no, that had nothing to do with why Vince used him so much on the main roster. He had to, he could talk. So if you can talk, you got a good shot of at least getting some TV time. It's, it's how Elias gets TV time. Yeah, but he can't talk. <laughs> I mean, so... He's coherent. <laughs> like, I think the problem with him is his character hasn't changed. Like, you know, I think there was a time when that character was, like, at least not go away heat ish. 
oh, there was a time around this network where we were talking about him. He should be the next Intercontinental Champion. Because we were enjoying his heel character work so well. Um, and then that all just kind of faded out because he never got any better in the ring and his character oh, didn't evolve. Yeah. So, yeah, he is still very, very rough in the ring for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we go backstage to an interview with Trey Baxter and his girlfriend, Cora Jade. Mm-hmm. Now, Cora Jade will have her debut match next week. Um, but it's kind of weird because Tree Baxter's like, yeah, don't do what I did. Yeah. Lose. Core's like, I'm not going to do what you did. I'm actually going to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She kind of so, made him feel like a bitch. Yeah. I felt like that last week too, which is why my question to Adam was, is he about to get cucked? Um, see it, 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 absolutely funny that you say that because instead of getting cucked, I think he's just going to get left. <laughs> also, they're a real-life couple, as I understand it. How do they have such little chemistry? Because sometimes like, when that camera on, when that camera's on, it freaks people out. Man, they they were so wood. And it's not just... It, it, Trey Baxter definitely looks kind of like a deer in headlights in these segments. But also, Cora Jade is overacting, and you can tell. She's also apparently, like, 20, which I didn't realize until yes. this segment. She is young as shit. So, you know, she has a lot of time to get better. Oh, sure. I think she just look to be a superstar, but... Again, it shouldn't be happening on primetime TV. Yeah, but it's kind of the theme this week. Yeah. Um, but the weird part is, like, I can see her winning... And then him continuing to lose, and then him start getting jealous, and then him kind of doing what Mark Miro did with Sable back in 98. And it's just going to get annoying, and then she's going to be the big baby face, and then she's going to embarrass the redheaded stepchild that is Heath Slayer's spawn. And then then she's going to be the face, and he's going to be shit. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's got Drew Gulak fucking get a rose stuffed up your ass written all over him. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. It's not <sighs> good. Okay. So from there... Let's see here. Possibly the worst thing on the show. Oh, next. fuck. I forgot about this. I literally forgot this happened this episode. It's... It's really, really fucking rough stuff. It's time to pull back the curtain. I had heard about this segment before I watched it. I still... Did not go in with any type of preconceived notion. I wanted just to see what what happened. Okay? What happened was we got a pre-taped talk show segment with Lash Legend. Uh, Lash Legend spent the entire time reading off cards talking about her basketball career. It, it was like a fifth-rate daily show, essentially, like in terms of the format. It was worse. <laughs> <laughs> because it was... It was like those YouTube recap shows mm. where they have like a little, you know, picture-in-picture uh, picture and they make funny faces, but it's not really that funny. But they're sure, trying. Sure. Uh, that's what this felt like. 
And also, every word out of this woman's mouth did not sound believable. Even though it was about her own career, it just sounded like, I was an NCAA champion. Yeah, and am a charisma void. Oh, she is a horrible charisma void. She's got no presence, no... It's it's cringe. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I didn't think this was going to be as bad as everybody said it was, and it (laughs) was almost like a parody of itself. Yeah, this show was a fucking cesspool, and this was still easily the worst thing on it. 100%. This was definitely the worst thing. Uh, and it was bad. And hopefully they cancel it and never talk about it again. They won't. They won't. It's, it's, we're going to see the, I mean, I'm not, but people are going to see this like many times over. And I doubt it's going to get any better. This whole episode is riddled and God, I wish it was riddled, riddled with, um, people who seem miscast in their characters. And they're asking these people to do things they're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I get it that in wrestling, a lot of times you're going to be giving a sh- given a shit gimmick to see what you do with it. But this goes a little beyond that, because these aren't even like your typical wrestling tropes. These are like, what's at the bottom of the barrel? A cowboy? A talk show host? Uh, we also have an ancient Chinese lady. We do that. She's also a dragon. We, we've, we've, we've got, a generic mobster. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to him in a little bit. Yeah. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um, I'm still more upset about the, the best friend cowboys than the mobster. Trust me. All right. Ridge Holland versus Kyle O'Reilly. I actually thought this match was kind of good. They beat it the fuck ve- out of each other. It was very good for a Ridge Holland match. Ridge Holland's not terrible. He's just, Still kind of new. And obviously he missed a year because of his uh, horrific injury. Mm-hmm. I still remember. And it was... Ugh. <laughs> um, but no, this match was good. And then Pete Dunn got involved. Um, but then... Okay, so here's my issue. Pete Dunn gets involved, and I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with Kyle O'Reilly getting a, a fluke win off a roll-up. Like, he seems, like, too good to be getting fluke wins. It's it's also weird to get a uh, get a win off of, like, the... He gets distracted by Pete Dunn and then manages to turn that into a roll-up win as well. Yeah. Which, just, like, if you're going to have that distraction, eh, have the news. How, uh, it's fine. Well, that's... Yeah, that should be... That seems easy, right? Like, Pete Dunn cost him the match. Ridge Holland gets a win over Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly still seeks his revenge. Yeah, yeah. Instead, Kyle O'Reilly gets the shit kicked out of him after he wins the match. (laughs) And this is the point where I actually got really sad for the future of NXT. First of all, let's forget about the fact that Kyle O'Reilly, at one point in his NXT career, was in an amazing tag team with Bobby Fish. Let's forget about that for a second. And let's say that anybody in NXT could come out and save Kyle O'Reilly. And, in the same time, pick a fight with Pete Dunne and, uh, and Ridge Holland. 
of all the people on the entire roster, all these new people, <laughs> Braun Breaker, all these fucking people. No, no, no. You pick. Oh my god, what a forehead. That fucking guy. I don't even know what to say. You pick the Kali, the 2021 great Kali of NXT to come out and help Kyle O'Reilly. Why? Because Vince and Bruce like tall people? But he's ugly, too. <laughs> sure, sure, but, you know. I just, why? Why? Fuck. Von Wagner, really? Dude, I was hoping... <laughs> I don't know who I was hoping for. I was at least expecting maybe, maybe Broadbreaker. It would be Broadbreaker. I honestly just thought he was going to get the shit kicked out of him. I wasn't expecting a save. I mean... Who's somebody we haven't seen in a while from NXT? That's, like, um, been there, like, in the trenches. Like... Uh, oh, you could have made this a Cameron Grimes spot! Oh, yeah, yeah. That would have been fine! Oh, yeah, he wasn't on this episode at all. No! God damn it. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's a face now, so that would have worked. That would have been fine. Instead, we get fucking Von Wagner, because... And I thought, by the way, last week, or two weeks ago when he made his debut... I was kind of hopeful that Vaughn Wagner was like a last-minute substitution and he wasn't really going to be on, on this show. <laughs> like, they was just like, yeah, wh- whoever's in the back, just throw him in here. But then we'll never see him again. Right. No, instead they're trying to make Vaughn Wagner a thing, and I'm really upset. They're trying to make so many different things a thing right now. Like, that's that adds to just, like... The misery of watching this is just like they're throwing so much against the wall just just to see if anything fucking sticks. Yeah, I and think it's almost all bad. I think Adam said it last week. It's too. Oh no, you said it. I was giving you credit on the host thread because it's just uh, too much. Right. It's seventeen new characters that you're expecting me to like remember. Like, wait, who's this guy again? Is this the mafia guy or is this the cowboy? Right. Shit, I don't remember which. What? What's his name? Like. Real cowboy or fake cowboy? Because we got one of each. It's true. Um, yeah, speaking of the mafia person, Tony D'Angelo. Okay, here's the thing about Tony D'Angelo. I'm a big old school fan of monster movies, right? Mm-hmm. It is very rare and very difficult to do the monster gimmick well in wrestling. Typically, it comes off terrible. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with a mobster gimmick... Outside of, like, a hitman or something like that, if you have a guy that's, you know, supposed to be part of the mafia, um, then he probably shouldn't lose, and he probably should destroy people, and then, God forbid, if anybody ever gets, like, a one-up on him, he should get, like, seven people to beat the shit out of him outside in the parking lot. Sure, sure. Like, the premise for a mafia character doesn't lay well to wrestling, because in the mafia character's mind, he'll just stab you, or shoot you. Yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> or, like, throw you in the ocean with cement shoes. Yeah. So, I don't mind the monster character, but it, uh, I'm worried that this is gonna be uh, like, little Guido, like, Nunzio, or... It's, 
Johnny Stramboli. <laughs> yeah, so so far the issue that I have is it's just a lazy stereotype. It is a very like, lazy stereotype. Like, um, if they start to add wrinkles uh, to it to make it interesting in any way, people who are still watching NXT, feel free to let me know. <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing. It said at the end of this, he's coming next week. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a match. And if, okay, what if he's good and he's vicious and violent and actually backs up what he says? And this isn't a comedy gimmick, and he's actually, like, the evil version of Braun Breaker. Uh, but with, like, I a mean, swag. It, it, I, that's a lot of ifs, but <laughs> if, 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 if all of those notes manages to manage to get hit, I could see it working, but... I I would be pessimistic uh, that I, don't don't get your hopes up is what I'm saying. Yeah, expect to be disappointed. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. never an easy gimmick that I've ever seen done well in wrestling unless it was on the indies because the indies can get away with shit. They mm. can say they murdered you when you go sign with a real company. <laughs> you can put a used tampon in someone's mouth or whatever it was. Well. I don't know if it was actually used. Yeah, I, 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 I think, think the I'm, implication is that it was. I yes. assume it wasn't actually. It was, it was, um. Because that would be fucking disgusting. 90% sure it's gimmicked. I fucking um, hope it was. The funny thing is, you say that would be disgusting, and yet I've seen some disgusting things on the indies. And I've never been I, to a CZW show, so I can even imagine what that would be like. But I mean, <laughs> just like local disgusting things in hardcore matches where people are like, you sick fuck, and I'm like, you're not wrong! <laughs> uh-huh. Like, why are you licking the blood off of that dude's forehead? That's fucking vile! <laughs> Ugh. I've seen that, that at indie shows. That is disgusting. And this was just you're like a regular promotion where they just happen to have a you know... I forget what they fucking call it. Oh, a no-holds-barred match. That's what every indie match is. Gotcha. No-holds-barred or... Metal Mayhem or something gimmicky. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, so Tony Mamaluke over here makes it... Oh, the fucking name, by the way, is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't go with something like... I don't know, that was a little less generic? Tony D'Alfredo. Like, dude, even if you went with, like, Vincenzo Corleone... Uh, <laughs> Just throw it out there. That's a better name than Tony D'Angelo. Sure, sure. All right. Main event time. I think, I think Tony's a bad, bad first name, like, regardless, because I just think of, like, I think of Fat Tony from The Simpsons. <laughs> What's a murder, huh? <laughs> oh, God. I was going to say, I think of Tony Atlas, which is even worse, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um... Okay, main event time. Your third title defense of the night. Did we get any new <laughs> champions? No, we didn't. Zoe and fucking EO retained, and so did uh, Roddy. <laughs> Raquel Gonzalez versus Frankie Monet. Uh, everybody's dressed up to the nines on on team what's his fuck. Uh, Robbie E over there. Robert is is e it still his face. team or is it her team now? It's kind of her team at this point. Uh, but no, Jess, uh, Jesse, not McKay. What's her name? Fucking. Uh, fuck, fuck. Kamea. Jesse Kamea. 
I had to think about it too. <laughs> she looks good. Dressed very, very well. Uh, Taya looks good. I'm sorry. I hate the fucking Frankie Monet name. I really do. I'm just going to call her Taya for the purpose of this recap. Um, and Robert Stone looks like he bought a new suit, which is nice. So then out comes Raquel Gonzalez and we get our big introductions and it, it, it has a big fight feel. I'll give it that. Um, and then these two fight and it's not bad. They, they kind of beat the fuck out of each other. Some spots more than others. I, I enjoyed, um, Taya doing some, some nice heel offense in this match. But I don't, I, I have yet to like a Frankie Monet slash Taya match. See, I thought this was the best I've seen her in NXT. That's a really low bar. That's a very low bar. But to me, she showed flashes of what she used to be in AAA or Lucha Underground. And that fucking, uh, the spot on the outside when she like just like flipped, uh, Raquel off the stairs, that looked actually gross. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I didn't say any of this looked safe. (laughs) That, that was like, that was like, probably my favorite spot of the match, but it was also the spot where I was like, ugh, that yeah. was like it legit fucking hurt. Yeah. She just dumped her off the ring steps. I think she yeah. grabbed the ankle and just like pulled. Yeah, that's... And Raquel hit it, hit the floor like, boom! And you're yeah. just like, yeah. It didn't Fuck. look like she got a chance to like brace herself in any meaningful way either. Like, it was fucking nasty. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed them screaming at each other in Spanish. And then I, I really liked the finishing sequence when, when things were getting down to the wire. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I think Raquel broke her strap. Oh, 100%. Kick out. Oh, was that when it happened? Yeah. Cause I, I, I went back and I, I kept, you know, doing the 30 seconds, like, to see exactly when it happened. And the only thing that makes sense is it happened on the kickout, because it didn't happen on the move before it. Raquel, like, she has the worst luck with tops, man. Well, don't wear tops like that. Like, wear something... I think the thing is, she's not well endowed in the chest area, so she's trying to, like, draw attention to it. Like, that was that was giving her a little more of a push than she usually gets. Like, it made it look like she had a little bit more going on upstairs than she actually does. So I get why she's doing it. I, I don't necessarily get why that's important, but I, I get why she's doing it. Yeah, if you're not um, well endowed in that area, probably best to not call attention to it. Just throwing that out there. Um, like, Taya is very well endowed. I'm sorry, Frankie is very well endowed in that area. But she's not wearing a top like Raquel. I mean, she would never be allowed to walk out of the curtain like that. <laughs> right. It would be a sight to see, that's for sure. But um Taya doesn't have a problem with her with her ring gear. Raquel seems to have a very severe problem with her ring gear, so maybe it's time to change it. Because like, the thing is she's been changing it and it's like all not working. Well, because it's just like because you know why? Because she has to show off her back. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. She's got to do the back pose with the title. I, I don't like the back pose. I, it reminds me of Bobby Lashley's pose. <laughs> like, 
Like, um, sure, yes, she has an impressive back, but I not one time have I looked at that and thought, oh, cool, she's showing off her back. Like, it's just, it's, okay, your title's above your ass now. It's not Great. for me. I'm sure there's an audience for it. It's not for me. Um, but, you know, you look at somebody like Sasha, right? Sasha doesn't have these problems, these, these wardrobe problems, and she's not necessarily well endowed either. But she knows what gear works for her body. She also has, like, a million straps on her gear. I don't know how it would, like, all come come off unless That's there's the just, like, one thread that ties it together. So even though Raquel's um, strap broke, I feel like there's a lot of glue. Because we didn't really see the shirt she, move. She has, like, a secondary thing yeah. on her back as well. Like, after that... After the really rough time at the takeover, I feel like she's doing more straps than she used to. Mm. But like there were, there was a time during that scrum with a uh, Toxic Attraction where one of I don't remember which me- member of Toxic Attraction it was, but one of them gave it a pull while they were pushing her, like pulling it up for her yeah. while she was selling. Um, yeah, because obviously you got to finish the show and you got to you got to do the spots, but yeah. It's nice that they'll look out for each other in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. wasn't an accident that she held the belt over that side either. I don't think so. No, not an accident at all. Uh, okay. So, we're blowing the lead, but after the match, out comes Toxic Attraction. They have a weird interaction with Frankie Monet and, and the Robert Fuckface brand on the uh-huh. on the ramp. Like, they kind of mouth off to each other, and, and Frankie's still selling. And they just, like fuck off, but, like, Toxic Attraction was like, do something. Do something. And then, they turn their back on them, and Mandy and JC and, and Gigi fucking jump uh, Robert Fuckface in a half alive Taya, and then Jesse Kamei is just, like, off in the background going, ah, ah. So, I don't know why you had to beat up them on the way out. I mean, I think they're just trying to get over that, like, Toxic attraction is like something to be afraid of, I guess. Like, you know, sort of like sell them as like an imposing group. It's funny you mention that because as soon as they get up to the ring and they surround the ring, Wade Barrett says the line, Oh, this feels like the Nexus. <laughs> and I say in my mind, Okay, here we go. It's female shield. Except for none of these girls actually look vicious enough to pull that off. Also, like, we don't want them in uh, in SWAT here. No, no, definitely. <laughs> um, look, I didn't mind the beatdown they gave Raquel a beatdown. Uh, Mandy obviously was the focal point. She's probably going to be Raquel's next challenger. Uh, but are you buying? Toxic Attraction as a dangerous faction. In the context of this new NXT, when everyone's like a bumbling caricature, yes, but I think, I think three weeks ago I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But like it, with the new landscape and like it feels like fucking like, the old tag teams in the women's tag team division have more or less disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think you can position them that way. I don't, think I care that much, but like, you know, I will say that this was, I think it was an effective segment, like, for what it was aiming to do, it just I still didn't find it that entertaining. 
So, every faction needs a centerpiece, right? Mm-hmm. Even with the Hurt Business, it, the whole focus was on Bobby Lashley. And that's yeah, yeah. what got him over. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his work got him over, too. But what I mean is, like, as far as the faction goes, you need to put your focus on one person. Everybody else is a supporting character. Is Mandy strong enough to carry a faction? I don't know yet. But it, it, gonna, it is going to depend on her if this yeah. gets over or not. Because, like, there was a point when she was, like, feuding with Sonya uh, on the main roster that she was actually doing some pretty good pretty good promo stuff. And mm-hmm. if she can sort of, like... Obviously, it's different because she's a heel now. But, like, if she can sort of, like, bring that level of quality back to her uh, her promos, I think that she can make this work. It could actually be easier since she's a heel. Because it mm-hmm. is a lot easier to be mean and be you know, an evil person and do nefarious things than it is to get the crowd to like you. You you say that, but her promo last week was fucking trash. (laughs) You know what, though? um, That's something you can can work on, you can practice with Shawn Michaels, he can give you pointers. Mm -hmm. Um, But believability and credibility, it's either there or it's not. And I think if you position Toxic Attraction as a dangerous threat then we could we could have something here yeah i it's one of the more promising things on the show for sure like if you if you take a look at the the like 17 pieces they threw at us tonight them and like i guess to a lesser extent braun breaker are probably the pieces that stand out the most as being like anything close to a finished product well, Braun Breaker, because, again, positioning, they have put him in a ring with the champ. They put him on the fir- the very first fucking episode of, of 2.0. Um, these video and packages, like, they're, they're purposely making you think Braun Breaker's a big deal. Interestingly enough, Toxic Attraction is, is starting to feel like a big deal, and they have their seeds planted weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what storytelling can do for a gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah. As yeah. opposed to just like, here's a guy, he uh, is a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> this guy stands on the docks a lot. Yeah. That's Probably does some nefarious things. <sighs> Why does it always have to be in the docks? Couldn't we switch it up and do like the casino or the track or like... <laughs> I feel like a, a lot of mobster movies take place in the restaurants. Sure. He's not even there. He's just standing on a dock. Dude, it sucks to be you. All right, anyway. Any final thoughts on this episode of NXT? Uh, so I, I said earlier that this was the episode of NXT that broke me. Mm. Um, and honestly, it has me evaluating whether I even want to put the effort into watching wrestling in the way that I consume wrestling right now. Wow, it's that bad. Because because NXT was always like you've you've seen me on AEW, you've seen me on WWE. I hate ninety percent of both of those shows. Yeah. And nothing there's not been an episode of Raw or or Dynamite that has made me feel that wrestling is not for me as much as this episode of NXT did. Wow. This, this, like, and NXT was always the thing, like, I could always be like, 
yeah, Raw sucks, but at least I can I can watch NXT later. And like losing that and losing that sort of like that thing that kept me sort of like at it and watching wrestling and like excited about something in wrestling has made me wonder how much longer I'm gonna keep watching wrestling. Like I might just pick out the bits that I care about, like the characters that I like. I'll watch the Sami Zayn match. I'll watch Seth Rollins promo. Like, I don't know if I, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to come out of this investing the time and watching entire shows anymore because this fucking, this episode broke me. So for a long time, that's what I did. That's how I consumed WWE. I had my favorites and I would follow them and everything else was just there. And -hmm. I didn't really pay attention to it. But my thing with, with the new NXT, um, I feel like this change has hit you and Jason specifically really hard because you guys loved NXT. Whereas I kind of have fallen out of love with this product ever since it went on USA. Like, if I go back to when I loved NXT the most and then I start to go through the timeline, this has been a slow burn for me. Gotcha. So that I thought the last takeover was pretty good, but it wasn't like, you know, earth shattering. And now that we're in the 2.0 and I see what it is, I'm not mad. I'm not like sad and depressed that my whole uh, wrestling world is torn away. I'm just like, eh, I'm not interested. <laughs> Like, it doesn't grab my attention. I'll watch it, but it's, like, background noise. Noise? Yeah. yeah, There's nothing I feel, like, excited. Like, there's a couple of things here and there. I'll see Cameron Grimes, and I'll be like, yeah, that was funny. Or or even Johnny Gargano. I'll be like, that was interesting. But the show as a whole, I'm just like, "Mm." there's nothing here. There's so much. They throw so much at us, and there's nothing. Yeah. No fucking yeah. substance. Even uh, Champa is one of the best things that's ever happened in this brand, and he just feels like, I'm just here because Joe's not. <laughs> and, and also, I'm not even here. I didn't care. I, I, I'm I the champ, and I didn't care enough to show up. Yeah. Which, you know, I get, because I also watched the fucking show, but... Yeah, it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the draft episodes and hope that it sparks something. But this 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 episode of NXT has me questioning my entire the entire basis of my being a wrestling fan. As uh, we we finish up here, I'm gonna ask you two questions. I'm gonna ask you the okay. traditional one. Uh-huh. What, uh huh. If you had 15 minutes, what would you go back and watch? I mean, I have to think about it for a second. I guess you don't need 15 minutes, but I guess I'd go Kyle and Ridge Holland. I'd go Kyle and Ridge Holland, um, and as a secondary, just as you should check this out, I'd say just take a look at uh, at Zion, because I, I think there's something oh, there. Also, uh, y- you can fit both of those easily and in have 15 minutes, minutes to spare. <laughs> That's a good point. 
Yeah, so very slim pickings this week. Um, but the second question I was going to ask you is if you had your choice with how they're booking NXT, what's the one thing you would change immediately, and and how would you change it? And don't just say get rid of. <laughs> I, I would... <sighs> The easiest one changes. I'd fucking have Johnny Gargano wrestle in matches. Yeah, sure. He's possibly the best wrestler in the WWE umbrella. And he just does comedy skits now. Like, and that's a fucking... He's funny, so, like, I guess that's okay. But he's also really fucking good. And it's a shame that we don't get to see that. It's funny you mention that, because... One of my favorite periods in NXT was very Johnny Gargano filled. He mm-hmm. was he was having match of the years, and he was having all these fucking feuds. And it's I would love to get that Johnny back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even have to be the same character, but we saw him on TV. We saw him fight every week. We saw him make his opponents better. And you don't even need to totally lose the humor. If you like him doing the humor, just have him do that and also have him fucking wrestle. Like See, That's how they started this gimmick. The original thing with the way he was wrestling for every other week or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't do any of that anymore. And also, what happened to Austin Theory? He was back for a week. <laughs> yeah, and then we didn't see him... <laughs> They, uh, to yeah. me, that's money. You, you leave a money on the table right there by not having Austin Theory in, as part of this 2.0. But yeah, I, I guess, like, and this changes the show entirely, but, like, if you want a more generic change, I'd use mo- more of the old guard. Yeah. I would I, I would have these changes be more gradual, because, like I said last week, it's <clears> a, sen- a sensory overload thing with how much they're just constantly fucking throwing shit at you. And it doesn't... It doesn't help that it's almost all bad, but, like, even if it were good, it would probably still be too much. I was going to say, it's just still too much. Yeah. The thing is, I think that you, um, there's definitely something to a lot of people who are saying they spit in the face of all the original NXT fans that followed them for years. Mm. Because you transitioned everything like a fucking flip of the switch. Like all of a sudden, everybody woke up and was like, "Hey, where the fuck my NXT go?" Right, right. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't make it gradual, and I don't even care about the fucking the color scheme or the or the ring setup. But as far yeah, as like the in ring, the in ring should be people like Kyle. It should be people like Pete Dunne. Those should be the focus because that's where we were going. And when and when we get them, we should be getting them for more than five fucking minutes. No, they should be dominating the show. Them, Champa, obviously, as your new champ, uh, Johnny, like, and then you slowly start to trickle guys in. You wanna, you right. wanna, you wanna have Ron Breaker there? That's fine. I don't have a problem with Ron Breaker. But you should be making the focus, Champa, Gargano, uh, done. People who have been here who the fans can appreciate, like, oh, you're familiar, and I like you, and I can get behind your character. And you can even use those characters to build these new characters. Like, sure. Like, you, you can build them organically instead of just, like, 
fucking throwing all of them at us at once and hoping that we get them, despite the fact that we're getting, like, half-baked vignettes. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is you're, you're trying too much, but you're not giving anybody any real time. Other than Braun Breaker... Yeah, it's clear they're really high on him. Sure. And and I'll say that they're they're obviously giving time to, to talk to the attraction, finally. But again, that was a slow build. We've seen that play out over the course of months. Yeah, yeah, the, the what's Mandy doing here? Thing. Yeah, exactly. And then she would start to talk to people, and then she would talk to other people, and just, it was and a slow... the commentary table. Yeah, it would, but it was a slow build. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have all these fucking people and then just be like, care! No, I don't care! That's the problem! Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll still watch it, because I'm a sucker for punishment. Although... I say that, and I still haven't watched three weeks of Raw at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's like half a day at this point. Well, I was going to start fresh after the pay-per-view, and I didn't watch this week either. So. <laughs> I'll float an idea that uh, uh, just watch the pay-per-views. <laughs> Starting to think that you were right all along. Like I, I, I've been pushing, man, uh, for for a just pay per view WWE rundown for a while. We might be headed there. However, tonight was another night in the books for the yellow, baby blue, pink, orange, and green brand. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Jackson Pollock Skittle Vomit brand. <laughs> Anyway, John, thanks for uh, doing the show with me, so I don't have to talk to myself for an hour. Indeed, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to me, just sort of increasingly lose my wrestling spirit. <laughs> His spirit is so so small. It, it really is. All right, everybody out there, go to the website. Go to WWE. Oh, I'm sorry, no, don't go to WWE. <laughs> go to RundownWrestling.com. Leave us a voicemail. Troy says all these things at the end. I don't know why I'm saying them now. Probably because I never closed this show before. Next week, they've already announced at least a couple matches for next week. None of them seem that important. <laughs> um, but yeah, tune in. I'm sure uh, Troy will be here. And maybe one of us. But God, if it's me, I'm having the worst week, probably. At, at this point, it's it's a it's a roulette wheel. Hell, you might even see Adam back. He seems to be getting progressively fed up with dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I get that vibe every time I listen to AEW. I feel like he hates it more than I do. There's certain things he really likes, like Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole, and I don't blame him because I really like those things too. So. I'm, I'm, this might be unpopular. Adam Cole's AEW promos aren't doing anything for me. They're fine for me because they're not, um, I don't need him to be the leader of the group or, or have a, uh, you know, a a straight arrow to the, to the world title at this point. Him being the mouthpiece on the elite. And then, like, making fun of Tony Schiavone or, like, ripping on Jungle Boy. I'm fine with that for now. I just, I don't know. I feel like he, 
he's obviously really, really good in the ring, but he's like his NXT like promo work was fucking top notch. And oh, yeah. I don't I don't feel like what he's doing in AEW like compares to that. And you make the point that he's not like in a main event role, and maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. See, to me, I, I don't know. To me, I, I hear him, and, and what he brings to the table, I still see so much money there as far as his promos go. Like, because he has, what he, one thing he has is he has a presence. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what he's saying, it's how he's saying it. That, that's fair. He does have, like, an inherent charisma to him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, I don't know. And then, you know, I, I really enjoyed Daniel Bryan versus Kenny. I'm gonna be watching every Daniel Bryan match in AEW. Uh, for better or worse, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, ho- hopefully, uh, they protect him. Yes. Um, or he protects mm-hmm. himself. He's a grown man. He should be able to sure, protect sure. himself. Sure, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also do think that that's an environment that you have to think about that more. WWE might, like, might be, like, boring and safe, but it's also boring and safe. Like, that, that, that can be a positive for people. Like, you know, in terms of, like, obviously you're gonna get hurt sometimes in just doing that work, but, like, I feel like it happens less. So, in the WWE, because you're performing at a high level, there's always a risk that you might tear an ACL, right? Mm-hmm. You might, you might, um, dislocate a shoulder, right? What you don't worry about in WWE typically, especially not often, is not when, but just how many times is someone going to get a concussion or break their neck in this company. Right. And the problem with AEW is it's gotten to the point of what ECW originally was, where it's, uh, there's a lot of talent, but this shit's going to get frantic and nobody's policing it, so hopefully you'll survive. <laughs> Right, right. So, and I worry that that's not a great environment for Daniel Bryan specifically, <laughs> or Bryan Danielson. Yeah, it's taken me a while to. Ah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Anyway, we're out of here. Everyone, thanks for listening. John, any last oh, yeah. words? Uh, I think someone's supposed to say something about NXTing you next two point something. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll two point your O next week mm. but possibly not us but yeah probably been listening to a rundown wrestling network production please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows as well as our other special events keep it locked there or subscribe to the rundown wrestling network on itunes spotify google podcast stitcher premium or anywhere you get your podcast from leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundown wrestling slash message join our patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. 
Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the salzer effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.